mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Breaking the Covenant with Death. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, verses 14 through 26. Here now... Pastor Moody. I want to go to the Word of God today. Uh, this is a message that uh, I've never preached before. I don't think in, in 40 years of preaching that I've ever preached this. But God began to deal with me this week, and I began to seek Him and search this out. And I want to go to Isaiah chapter 28. And many of you will recognize that Isaiah chapter 28 is, uh, is a text where God is primarily concerned with Judah and Jerusalem. But he begins to speak to whom he calls Ephraim, or Ephraim, which is a reference to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel. And God begins to prophesy to them because of the condition they're in. And in Isaiah 28, you Pentecostals will know that God there prophesies the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit. He also prophesies his word. Amen. Being the answer for a nation in trouble. He warns them about their rebellion and their sinful living that's going to bring harsh judgment. But in the midst of that, God tells them there's a stone that they can stand on, talking about Jesus Christ. And so I just felt like the Lord took me to that text, and, and I, I've been just studying it. But I just want to read a few verses, starting in verse number 14 of Isaiah chapter 28. This is the word of the Lord. The Bible said, Wherefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, listen, we have made a covenant with death. We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. We've, we've made a, a, a covenant, we've joined ourselves to death, and made an agreement with hell. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Listen to verse number 16. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation that uh, he that believes shall not make haste, or that's a phrase that literally means will not be ashamed. God began to deal with me earlier this week, and I've been studying this, and I, I just want to preach for a few minutes today on the subject of breaking the covenant with death. Breaking the covenant with death. You know that Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, a judgment. Your Bible also says the soul that sins will die. And I know this is not a subject that people want to talk about. It's not a positive-sounding word to begin with, but trust me, it gets better. I want you to understand that death is a reality. And what God is talking about here is not just a physical death, but he's talking about spiritually. 
how men have embraced the things of death, the things that separate them from God. God was a covenant God, a covenant God that wanted to be in relationship with him. And as I said, we understand that he, he is dealing in Isaiah primarily with, with Judah, with Israel. That was after the, the division of the nation, 10 tribes to the north and a, a two and a half to a type of tribe and a half to the south, which became Judah or Ephraim. And yet God's idea was that he wanted them all to return to him, that he could heal the entire land. Their leaders and prominent people had become, as the scriptures said when you read this, like drunkards, refusing to hear the word of the Lord. In uh, chapter uh, 28 and verses 2 and 3, it said, Behold, the Lord has, uh, has a mighty and a strong one, which has a as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with his own hand. And the crown of pride, the drunkards of, of Ephraim, shall be trodden underfoot. What God was saying, the crown of pride, was a reference to Samaria, which they had made the capital city of the northern kingdom. And God was saying to them, when you understand what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to turn your heart away from the thing that you've embraced that has separated you from me. I want to say this, that all sin separates from God. The Bible said that God's arm is not shortened, that he can't reach you. His ear is not turned deaf, that he can't hear you. His eyes have not went blind, that he can't see you. And so many are saying, why are we seeing what we're seeing in our country and around the world? Listen, the prophecy goes on to say, because your sins have separated you from God. I, I know about sin. I want you to understand me. People most of the time think Christians and churches and preachers don't know anything about sin. But let me just set your mind at ease. We're, the Bible said we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. In other words, we're born with a tendency to sin and then we sin because we want to. Every man wants to do that which is right in his own eyes. And when you read this prophecy, you hear God's glorious plan, amen, that he had for these people. Listen to verse six, or verse four, I'm sorry. He said, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall, bring a fa shall be a fading, fading flower, and the hasty fruit of the summer will begin to perish. And, and while it's yet in the hand, something will eat it up. But verse 5 says, In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty to the remainder of his people and for a spirit of judgment that of him. And that word judgment there means that God will deal justly and well with his people. Then verse 7 and 8 describes, amen, how the leaders and the prophets and the priests even had turned to drunkenness. Their city and their religion had become, according to verse 8, a display of filth. I, I want you to understand, so these are strong words, but God then says, as a result of this, you in turning away from me have made a covenant with death. In other words, they had become so caught up in their sin that they felt that they could just ignore God. 
that they had to not pay any attention to him. I believe their mindset is sort of reflected in our modern world today. We're in a place where people feel like they don't need God. They don't need church. They don't need uh, preaching his word. I want to say this. This is the real tragedy. People have decided they don't need Jesus. They don't, they don't want any part of this gospel way. We've turned away from him and, and this antiquated religion, they call it, based upon this book of fables. You can talk to people about salvation and they'll tell you we're all right. They're like the drunk that says, I can quit drinking when I want to. They're like the drug addict that, that, can, that says, I can handle this. I looked, one was stood one time by a casket of a young man that, that had overdosed and, and another man walked up to the casket who had the same problem and said, I thought he could handle it. I thought he could, you know, could keep his hand on it. You hear me? Nobody can handle what the devil is dealing today. The scripture said that he comes not but for to kill and steal and to destroy. So we've embraced the idea we can make it. We're all right. We, we can say things like this. We're modernist. We're politically correct. We, we, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're a carbon copy of all that's around us. We, you know, we want to fit in. But I want to tell you, the Bible said, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. All that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I know these are old-fashioned words, and, and, and people, you know, they're, they're sick of hearing what the church has to say. They don't want to hear preaching. And when you, when you talk about sin, they say things like, well, while they're just judging us, who do they think they are? I want to tell you who we are. We're the voice of Hosea's watchman crying, what of the night or beware of the darkness. We're Joel's prophetic voice blowing the trumpet in Zion. We're a modern day John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and saying repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want somebody to hear me. The trumpet's getting ready to sound. The dead are going to raise. The church is going to leave. Hallelujah. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. The tribulation is on the horizon. Amen. I heard old Don Brinkle, the great old preacher, say many years ago, he said, when I hear thunder in the skies, I think it's the rumblings of the tribulation that's coming on the horizon. I want to tell you today, folks, this is not a day like we've ever seen before. And this gospel is not a negative message. It's not a message of condemnation. Others have turned their back on the truth. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I, I, I don't want to uh, you know, just uh, sound like somebody harping on the same thing or beating the same dead horse. But I know there are men today that are watching or may, may see this. I hope you do. At one time you lived for God. At one time you cared about bringing your family into the house of the Lord. At one time you, you treasured that Bible and you believed in holiness and godly living and being right with God. But today because of, of the opinions of the world, you've turned and embraced something that at one time you, you considered it like I read in our text today uh, in verse number eight. It said your tables are full of vomit and filthiness and that there's no place that's 
clean. I've watched as people who one time walked in the reality of the salvation experience have, have embraced what the world has told them is all right. You hear this preacher, what you're taking hold of and what you're promoting and what you're defending if it's contrary to the word of God. Romans chapter one said those that do it are guilty and those that stand up for it are guilty. I want to tell you that God's word today is offering us something better than the slippery slope that you're sliding down. God's offering you a stone, a tried stone, a real stone, a foundation. He's offering you Jesus. Hallelujah. I've stood on him for these many years. There's been some times that I trembled standing on the rock, but the rock has never trembled under me. I've got a foundation, thank God, that I can stand on that's real. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. I want to just say a couple of things. Our response to the word of God will determine our covenant and our relationship with God. Or will we allow our relationship, our covenant to be in agreement with death, with the grave and with hell? I want to tell you the devil's a deceiver. The world is, is talking today. They're saying things. They're saying things like, it, you, can't, you can't say that's wrong. You can't say this is wrong. If you do, they'll, they'll say you're being judgmental. I want to tell you something. If God's word condemns it, it'll always be condemned. I don't care what some modernist preacher might say. The world is talking. It's talking by way of, of media. It's talk, there, there's so much. Inf- the, the internet is the information highway. Are you hearing me? And social media has become in many cases the voice of the world. It's become the voice of modernism, the voice of opinion. I, I want to say this. Don't get mad at me. But it's become the voice of the Antichrist in many instances, promoting everything that God is against. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 10, he said, there are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them are without significance. In other words, there are people talking on every network, on social media, anyway, and everything you go to pick up, every publication, you, you walk through the grocery store checkout line and the tabloids, they, they smear that filth across those headlines and they pervert history and change reality trying to convince people that the world is altogether different than it's ever been. You hear me. The people of the world change, but God never changes. Hallelujah. And if you're not careful, you'll agree with them. You'll make a covenant with death. Look at this text, if you would. In verses 9 and 10 of Isaiah chapter 28, it said, Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And he asked a question them that are weaned from the milk, them that are drawn from the breast. And then he said, verse 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. In other words, there is a foundation in the word of God that God teaches. It's line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Who is God gonna teach knowledge? And he he refers to babies that have just been just been weaned from the milk. And listen, we've become a nation of spiritual 
spiritual immaturity. And I'm afraid that a lot of the church world has become a church of immaturity, a church of emotionalism. Can I say it spiritually? We're babies. And, and I, I don't, don't mean to be harsh, but, but let me ask you this. Since the COVID, since the coronavirus, since many of the churches have shut their doors, and we have, we've been condemned for it. And uh, somebody uh, uh, posted on, I posted a thing on Facebook about what it meant for the church to be down and how we were trying to worship and keep trying to get the word out and yet trying to be careful. And, and somebody responded to me and said, but that church, when we drive by it, it stands up there like a like a like an end sign of wisdom because you care about people while others turn around and said, one, one preacher said, you just need a man up and open the door. Oh, come on, somebody. They're just different opinions. Everybody, opinions are like elbows. Everybody's got a couple of them. Hallelujah. So don't let it upset you when they start talking bad about what you're doing. You, you just hear from God. But God says we're, we're a, a, a nation of spiritual Immaturity. Paul had that problem in his day back in 1 Corinthians. And, and I won't go into the theology of that, but the, the, the 1 Corinthians, they were an immature bunch. And Brother Brian in 2 Corinthians, they, they got kind of got it figured out. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, Paul said, And I, brethren, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but, uh, but as unto carnal, even as babies in Christ. And he said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Amen. Uh, because you were not able to bear it, neither were you able. And uh, he said, for you were carnal, and uh, you were yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Listen, all these things are the signs of carnality. And I started to say that since all of this has happened, and you've not been able to gather together as the church... What have you, how have you fared spiritually? Have you been able to study the Word of God? Have you been able to find yourself in prayer? Thank God we got something now. We even call Zoom meetings. Praise God. You can get together and have a Zoom meeting. Praise God. And worship the Lord. This social media stuff can be wonderful. It can be wonderful. Are you hearing me? But I'm afraid that we're not careful. We'll become these spiritual babies. And, and how do you know when Christians are, are yet carnal and they're yet immature because there's envy and there's strife and there's division and they're always mad at each other. Uh, 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 listen, you better be careful what you say to people on Facebook. Somebody said when you put it on the internet, it's always there. But more importantly, brother, it's always in heaven too. You better be paying attention to how you're treating one another. And uh, immaturity always leads to conflict and division. God wants to heal the church from that. I'm just going to preach I feel this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 it said he gave some apostles and some prophets and, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the maturing the perfecting of the saints listen not so they'd be arguing about I'm right and you're right but for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ well, listen to verse 13 till we all come into the unity of the faith hallelujah listen to me church the world is divided the country is divided amen it's the right against the left it's the democrat against the republican and because of the events of uh, uh, lately it's, it's the black now against the white the white against the black the division is getting worse 
diverse. But God said in the church there ought to be this coming together in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, which means a mature Christian, under the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. Verse 14 said that we would henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You hear me? God's looking for the church to, can I say it this way, to man up, to woman up. He's looking for the church to stand up in the strength of the word of God and teach sound doctrine and present Christ as the answer and present the Holy Spirit as the comfort men need and let people know the world may be falling apart, but the church refuses to fall apart. Hallelujah. You know, as a senior pastor of many years and and the president of a ministerial association, I hear from preachers every day. And, and, uh, you know, some of them are, are concerned, of course, about what's going on, and they call for counsel, they call for advice. But can I give you a good report? What I hear from a lot of them is, but pastor, in the midst of all of it, God is still moving. In the midst of all of it, God is answering prayer. In the midst of all of it, I, I mean, God is, I, I heard about Brother Jim Walden, who's the, who, uh, who, who's the overseer of the church of God of the Mountain Assembly. And uh, he, many of you know he's been in the hospital and he's had pneumonia and it's been terrible in his family. John's been on, on, on the, uh, the Facebook uh, you know, having people pray for him. And I got news this morning, he's doing better. Hallelujah. He's out of that hospital, out of that ICU. He's working now towards rehab. And, and people are just giving God praise. Glory to Listen, God's still God. He'll still save. Are you hearing me? He'll still heal. If your family's falling apart, God will still put you back together. He never changes. Amen. So whom will he teach knowledge? Amen. It's those that are willing to get in the word of God and say, God, I don't need milk all the time. Can I just preach this? for a moment. I don't need some pastor to pat me on the back and burp me and rub me on the head and bottle feed me. I'm willing God to stand up and say, according to the word of God I will not commit adultery. According to the word of God I'll be faithful to him that has called me. According to the word of God I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to be in fellowship with the spirit. I'm going to reach out to those that are hurting. I'm going to try to be a part of the solution and not a continuation of the problem. That's what God needs today is a a church that people can look to and say they've got the answer. Hallelujah. They've figured it out. Now I want to say this. Isaiah then right in the middle of that he says, you know, God's trying to bring you to this place and he's trying to teach you knowledge and he's trying to let it be precept upon precept and line upon line. And then right in the middle of it, he, this is a, a point of some contention, contention, but he begins to say something like this with stammering lips in other tongues, I'll speak to this people. And he's talking about Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, don't get upset and, and click off on me. Because what I want you to understand is that Pentecost was more than a denominational distinctive. Pentecost was the empowering of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's the whole purpose of Pentecost. And Joel's prophesying. And, and uh, when, when you start, the leaders of Ephraim, Israel, were so indignant towards Isaiah's preaching. They, when you read the history of this, they referred to it as gibberish, babbling, nonsense that was irrelevant to their time. 
I mean, you talk to people about the Holy Ghost today and about the indwelling spirit and about the anointing of the church. That's nonsense. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost has sustained a church for over 2,000 years that empires have tried to kill. Governments have tried to shut up. Amen. Voltaire of France said, uh, amen, that they would, they would shut down the church and there'd never be another Bible found in the world by the time he got done. And when that nut died, the house where he lived became a publishing house for the Word of God. The Word of God never Amen. Will never fail. Heaven and earth may pass away, Jesus said, but this book will stand. Amen. So all of a sudden, they they begin to say they didn't need it. God's response was, I'll send you somebody you can't understand. He sent the Assyrians in speaking a language they, they, they didn't know anything about. Are you hearing me? He, he sent the Assyrians who would send messages to them. And, and if you read the story in 1 Kings where the, where the city was surrounded, Samaria was, and the Assyrians were encamped out there in the camp, and they were starving to death inside. They were eating their babies and eating dove manure and, and eating animals' heads. I'll just, I know that sounds gross, but that's where sin takes you. And there was four lepers outside the city, and they were dying with lepers. And one of them said, why sit here? till we die. If we go down into uh, Samaria, they're already starving to death. Let's head out to the camp of the Assyrians. And when they got up and started walking, God multiplied the sound of those four lepers walking to sound like an army coming. And the Assyrians got scared and ran off and left. And when they left, they left all the food. They left all the gold. They left all the silver. And God spoke to a prophet and said, by this time tomorrow, there's going to be plenty. Amen. They talked about how cheap everything would be. And one of the lords of the king said uh, if the windows of heaven were to open it couldn't happen that's people's problem they don't believe the word of God I'm here to tell you we look at circumstances and situations in our country naturally and we don't think there's no way out of it but I'm holding in my hand amen the answer that can change Washington that can change Frankfurt that can that can change the the disorder and the violence and and the drug problem I, I tell you I'm I'm 68 years old and I look around at people that got a life ahead of them, uh, amen, that, you know, Brother Daniel, that, that are young and, and, and their lives are, are being destroyed by drugs and, and they have no future. They can't see beyond themselves. They've made a covenant with death. Are you hearing me? I want to tell you that sin destroys and, and, and the, the world has, has become so sensual and it's so tantalizing and enticing. It's nothing new. It's always been that way. But the answer is the word of God because you can break the covenant with death. You can break it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me, let, let me go on. So he begins to talk to them about amen, speaking to them with stammering lips and other tongues. Paul referenced this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Amen. When he talked about the tongues and the gifts and how they would be used. And, and uh, he, he said that, that, that tongues and, and, and prophecy and all these things serve to edify. But here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In the law it was written with men of other tongues and other lips. Will I speak unto this people for all that, will, for, for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Watch this. He said, because tongues are for a sign. Not to them believe that believe, but to them that believe not. Prophesying serves, amen, not for them that believe not, but for them that believe. What was he saying? Speaking in tongues, the supernatural. 
God wants to use that to convince the unbeliever. Now, I'm a Pentecostal. I don't care who knows it, always have been, about ever since I've been, right after I got saved, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I talk in tongues, and I've seen the gifts operate in the church. But if all we do, Paul said, Pentecostals, hear me, I'll preach to us, to our camp for a while. If all we do is come together and speak in tongues and shout, people are going to think we're barbarians. But when we come together and we speak in tongues and God gives an interpretation suddenly, it's elevated to the same level as prophecy. And God begins to reveal himself and those unbelievers, Paul explains that, come in and all of a sudden they say, wait a minute, that has to be from God. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They said those men, amen, in that upper room, amen, they're all unlearned, ignorant Galileans. But the Holy Ghost fell and they're talking in all these languages and they're telling us about the great works of I'm here to tell you the answer for America's problems is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God going forth in power. Now I want to say one more thing. Not only did God say I'm going to talk to those that will hear it and I'm going to try to take you from, the, from immaturity to maturity, but God said I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to use supernatural things to do it. And I believe today, I really believe today, there's a move of God afoot. Things, if you will pay attention, there are men and women of God who are prophesying things that are going to happen, that are coming to pass. If, if you will just go back and read God's Word. I heard a little bit of Jensen Franklin this morning. And, and Jensen, you know, he's, he's Church of God heritage. That's where he came from. And Jensen was on there teaching that 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 uh, age-old uh, uh, precept or concept of the church being raptured before the tribulation and about what was about to happen. And I know there's some people get upset over that, but just read the Bible, you'll get over it, amen. And, and I was listening to that man of God preaching. I thought, Paul told us the catching of the way of the church is the blessed hope, amen. We don't have to sit around and look around uh, in despair. And, and when, we, we, when we bury people, amen, Paul said, I would not have you to you know to, to be uh, hopeless concerning them which are asleep. I don't want you to be. He said, I don't want you to grieve and, and 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 carry on as others that have no hope. Grief is a natural process. But I don't know how many funerals I've preached over the years, but hundreds I'd say. And and I don't know how many times I've had people you know going through that grieving process and talking about how hard it was to lose them. But they would always end it with saying, "But thank God I know where they are and I'm going. We've got hope. Hallelujah that the world does." doesn't have. Let me hurry. There's a spiritual rest. There's a place you can get with God that's a refuge from the storm. When Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he, do you, if you've ever read that story, God destroyed the most powerful nation on the earth because they plowed the backs of his people with whips and slavery. He destroyed Egypt. Egypt crumbled. And going through the wilderness, then the people began to complain against the very God that had delivered them. I thought, boy, Moses, you knew what it was like to be a pastor. I've, been, I've heard people grumble and complain. And in Exodus 33, Moses is talking to God. And he says, now, therefore, in verse 13, I pray thee, if I found grace in your sight, Show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this is your people. And then he says it in verse 14. My pres God says to him, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Moses said, wow, if your presence don't go with me, I don't want to go. 
You see, he understood that even though he still had probably with the, uh, the, 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 the people and the strangers and all that came, maybe a couple of million people he was responsible for in the middle of a desert. No way to feed them, no way to water them. But he had a God that could send manna out of heaven, could bring in, when they wanted meat, he brought in so much meat they had quail up to their knees, could bring water out of a rock, hallelujah, and, and water three million people plus all the livestock and the herds that they brought out with them. There's a, there's a place you can get with God that's a place of rest. You can't hide from the trouble that's going on around you. We're, we're not like, I, I think it's the ostrich that buries his head in the sand. And don't realize everything else is exposed. Are you hearing me? You can't hide from the trouble that's going on. They, they used to sing that old song, Brother Brian Woolwine. There's no hiding place down here. Are you hearing me? There, but there's one place you can get. David said it like this. He said in Psalm 55 and 4, he said, My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. He said, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And he said, Oh, that I might have wings like a dove, then I would fly away. I would be at rest. Let me translate it. I can't hide from it, but if I can get in the presence of God, I can be secure and I can have rest. Amen. Where are you going to hide? How are you going to break the covenant with death? Listen, listen. I, I don't care what people say. I, I, I saw, I'm not going to be specific about this, but I saw something this week that broke my heart. I saw a young man that, that it, well, he's not young anymore, and he certainly doesn't look like it. He looks old because of the life he's chosen. But a man that used to serve God, and I saw him trying to promote a way of sin. And I thought, man, at one time you had a hold of the gift, and now you're about to throw it away. You hear me? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 11 and 28. Here's the answer. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And then he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ah, uh, you that trust in death. When I read this text, I thought it was kind of amazing. The Bible said that they made a covenant with death. And they said when the over powering scourge when the judgment comes we're going to be all right because we've got lies for a refuge you know i don't care what the late night smart aleck talk show people say i don't care what people who have religion without god say it's not all right to be out there and be vulnerable in that world it's not all right, you hear me. It's not all right to be living out there knowing what you're doing is contrary to this book that I'm preaching from. It's not okay to, to say, I've got to, listen, preacher, you're just out of date. You're just, and I, and I may well be. I mean, I'm old enough to be old-fashioned, and that's all right with me. And you, you might say, now, pastor, it's not like that anymore. I beg to differ. It's always going to be like that. And if you make a covenant with death, if you make a covenant with lies, if you trust in what everybody else deems to be essential and you don't have Jesus, you're in trouble. In the Luke's gospel, chapter 12, verse 16, it said, Jesus spoke a parable to them and said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And what he did, he got rich and he, 
he said to himself, what, what am I going to do because there's nowhere else to store up anymore? And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I'm going to bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, here's where he got in trouble. He started speaking to the eternal part of a man with the carnal. And he said, you've got much goods laid up for years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, here's something that, that got me. Brother Brian, you're a theologian. I'll talk to you about it sometime. But this, this got me. This guy apparently knew the Lord because he talked to God and God talked back to him. Hearing me? The Bible said that God began to speak to him and said, you're a fool. You're a fool. And tonight your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be that you provided? And then God said, so is he that lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Let me tell you something. You'd be politically correct. You can fit in with society. You could have and be on uh, be the best thing that social media ever seen. You could be the most popular thing in school, young people. You you can be the one that everybody looks to. You you can be the drug dealer on the street and you're everybody's favorite person. But if you don't have Jesus, well, if you're doing that, you don't have Jesus. But without Jesus, you've got a covenant with death. You've got an agreement with hell. Now, you don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be a drug dealer. You don't have to be a, a prostitute. You don't have to be none of those ugly things that we like. But the table spread with filth is what God said. And, and all sin produces death. All of it. And, and even to him that knows to do good, and does it not? It's a sin. But hear what God said. And I'm closing, Nick, if you want to come. Here's what God said. I'm laying a stone in Zion. I'm putting down a foundation rock. You hear me? I'm putting down something that you can stand on that the storms of life cannot affect. I'm putting down. You know, how was it that those old saints went through the Great Depression? the crashing of the stock market, the closing of the bank, through the dust bowl of the, of the West, the Midwest? How was it that they went through two world wars and came out victorious, victoriously shouting? I used to tell people this, and some of you all recognize this and some of you won't, but it used to be in the old black and white World War II movies and uh, that they showed, a, and I saw this same scene in several of the movies where a fighter plane during World War II was coming back into an aircraft carrier and it was shot up. And when it hit the deck and they had that tail hook on the plane, that big cable stretched across, when it got so far down, that cable would pop up and catch that plane. And this guy had gotten shot up trying to make it back to the carrier. And when the plane hit the deck, it erupted in flames. I mean, it's, it's a horrid sight. And you'd think, my, that guy's dead. Brother Nick, at the Pine Hill Holiness Church 20-some years ago, I met the man that was flying that plane. Glory to God. But he and I talked about it. And he said, I was a little holiness boy from a country church. And he said, I called up, got my, found myself caught up in World War II. And he said, they taught me to fly. And I became a, a fighter pilot, you know. And even and uh, 
He said, when I was coming back that day, he said, my plane was shot up. He said, through the side of the cockpit, I could see daylight coming through. He said, not a bullet hit my body. (laughs) Glory to God. And he said, I didn't know how I made it. He said, I was away from God. A lot of times people get in the military, they do that. He said, I was away from God. And he said, sometime after that, said, I got a letter from my little old praying mama. And said, she said, honey, said, on this day at this time, over there it was daylight, here it was dark. She was asleep, said, the Holy Ghost woke me up from my sleep. And said, you better pray for your boy. He's not going to make it if you don't. And she said, I fell out of that bed, he out of my sight. And she said, I began to cry out to God. And she said, I prayed through. Well, that's something you don't hear much anymore. She said, I prayed through. And said, after a while, the Spirit of God said, go back to sleep. He's safe now. And when they begin to compare, you know where I'm going with this. The moment that he was in that plane, and those Japanese fighters had shot that plane up and the bullet holes riddled that cockpit, that little Holy Ghost woman was on her knees praying in another language. Ooh, glory to God. And he said, that plane hit that, that carrier deck and it erupted in flames and said they ran out there with the water hoses spraying. And he said, all of a sudden, he busted what was left of that cockpit open and said he stood up and said people on the deck of that ship began to cheer because they loud sure he was gone. He was dead. But he said, God is God. Can you say amen? I've come to tell you something. There's a place where you can stand. Oh, listen, I hope somebody's hearing me today. There's a place where you can stand. This COVID thing's real. It's nothing to play with. I I had it a month or so ago. I was sick for several days, five days of it. I don't care to tell you I was as sick as I've ever been a day in my life. I'm 68 years old. I'm the the generation they say it'll kill you. But I'm still alive. (laughs) Praise God. Why did I have you? Why'd you have it, preacher? I don't know. That, that's for you. I, I'll let you all that want to be judgmental and harsh and sit out there and, and blame somebody for it. You just go on and do that. I'm just here to tell you it happened and God brought me through it. That's all I know about it. It happened and God brought me through it. And I've been safe. I, we went five months here. Not, not a case of COVID. Not, not in our church or not in my family. And then all the one day it hit. I don't care if you know it. Everybody else knows it, and people's exaggerated the numbers, and it wasn't near as bad as anybody thought, but it was bad enough. And we've been trying to do the sensible thing. But the thing that I can tell you is this, that this God never changed through any of it. There's a rock you can stand on. You can break the covenant with death, sir. You can break the covenant with death. i, I got to quit, but I'm going to tell you, when I, when, I see, when I see people that are so bound up in what this world offers... When I see the hatred, the bitterness, and, and, and listen, it's not just black and white, but it's people that are old enough to die that are bitter over politics. What's wrong with you? I'd like to walk on the floor of that Congress and, and raise my hands if they'd shut up a minute and say, you people, are, you've made a covenant with death. You're hating one another when you're the people that could be the answer to the problem. If you just let... I, I pray every day and say, God, bless our Congress. Bless our leaders, our governor, our president, our legislature. You know what I pray? I pray, let them lead us down the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Let them become men like Abraham Lincoln. Who, you you know, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And, And I just want to say this about that. 
I know that that's something that we'll never fathom what it was really like. But that man in that day, in that White House, understood that his answer was on his face before God night after night. Amen. And he brought the country through a civil war. And uh, yeah, they killed him for it. But I want to tell you, he understood that God was the answer. What about you? There's a rock you can stand on. And said I. hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.